when I was talking through this text with a friend and thinking about preaching on it, what to highlight, etc., I was reminded of a personal story that I've told a few times. Some, some of you have probably heard this. A couple of years ago, I was attending a four-day conference in the city. One of the days, me and two friends decided we would meet up for dinner before the evening session. Two of us arrived in the lobby and waited for our friend to get there. As we were waiting, a woman that I didn't know very well came up. She's somebody I've uh, seen at the seminary. Uh, was smiling and uttered something about the conference, then stood there awkwardly. At least I felt awkward and thought this interaction was kind of odd. Like literally she's just sort of standing and smiling and I'm like, okay, this is weird. <laughs> she left soon after. I chose that moment to say to my friend that that was odd, inferring that she was odd. And my friend with a sweet smile on her face responded with, we love those who are in front of us. That was it. Our other friend showed up soon after and we left for dinner. Needless to say, in the midst of my mean girl moment, I heard my friend loud and clear. You all know the movie Mean Girls, right? With the, okay, <laughs> just making sure. We love those who are in front of us. She didn't shame me in that moment, but her words were what I needed to hear. I was at a pastor's conference after all, and this pastor just wanted to hang out for a minute to say hi. And truthfully, was always, she was always kind to me when I ran into her. And just, actually she has a sort of like gentle spirit that probably was just smiling and content to be there. My friend spoke words of truth, words that I desire to be true in my life. As you listen today, tuck my little story in the back of your mind. There's a lot that transpires, that transpires in the text we just listened to. Jimmy read, thank you Jimmy, wherever you are. And the message seems pretty clear. We know Jesus has been invited to a Pharisee's house for a meal. And we know a woman has found out he is there and has come looking for him. I want to spend some time on each person involved in this story and consider what this might be saying to us, what they might be saying to us through their various interactions. In the NIV, the woman is described as a woman in that town who lived a sinful life. And then in RSV, she's described as a woman known in the city as a sinner. The message ver version states, a woman of the village, the town harlot. Okay, so everybody has their, their narrative on this woman. This woman had a reputation that everyone was aware of. And it probably goes without saying that she was aware of who she was, or who she was perceived to be. And she was also aware of this man who would be dining at a house in the village she lived in. We know she has a reputation, but what else do we know? Well, we're going to have to speculate since not much is written about her. One commentary writes this. It was and is enough to dismiss such a person as immoral, as well as unclean and a deviant, without grappling with the social realities faced by a woman, perhaps a freed woman, forced into the marketplace by her lack of attachment or identification with a man who prostitutes herself in order to live according to one of the very few options available to her, or a woman or girl sold into prostitution by her parents on account of economic misfortune. In short, this unnamed woman belongs to a category of persons who qualify as the poor. More than one commentary that I read suggests that this woman is a prostitute, while others suggested that 
sinner in this context may indicate that she is a Gentile or someone with a job that places them in contact with unclean people or animals, such as a midwife or a dyer of clothes. This woman belong, begins to weep at the feet of Jesus, wetting his feet with her tears, wiping his feet with her hair, kissing them and pouring perfume, perfume on them. And what she is doing is considered scandalous. Especially considering that she probably is a prostitute, these actions may be misconstrued as sexual, adding to the narrative of a shameful, promiscuous woman. So there's a definitely a narrative, and as people are observing this, they have their own thoughts going on. That she would take the risk to dare to love him in this way in someone's home in front of all these people is quite an amazing and vulnerable act on her part. This woman, someone who is not invited to this gathering, even to serve at it, an outcast of society that is whispered about as people pass her by. I imagine her in this moment just being present, not caring what others thought of her, just being present in this unashamed display of love. Something tells me that she heard about this man and something stirred in her soul or even stirred in that place where she had only known emptiness. She needed to see him. She needed to know this man who was a friend to sinners. Jesus eventually turns his attention to Simon, and we'll get to Simon's part in a minute. As Jesus is talking to him but facing the woman, Jesus speaks what all present have witnessed about the woman's actions. She wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair from the time I entered. She has not stopped kissing my feet. She poured perfume on my feet. Still saying this about her to Simon. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown, but whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus speaks directly to her. Your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Can you picture this interaction, like in your imagination? Again, we don't know about much about her, but from the minute she's introduced, I see this urgency to be in his presence. To, yes, be known and loved by him, but in this moment to also bless him. Show love and hospitality towards him. Can you imagine all your life wanting to be loved, accepted, and to matter to someone in a deep, non-fleeting way? I'm sure some of us here can't imagine that. And then you find that fulfillment in the someone. And I hope we're not just imagining, I hope that we're able to experience or have experienced this kind of connection that knowing Jesus brings. When I was a teenager, well sometimes younger than a teenager, I remember hearing a lot of testimonies of adults who had been saved out of some pretty messed up situations and sin that had gripped them for years. Like sometimes it was probably even too much information. <laughs> I look back and I'm like, um, at that meeting we probably shouldn't have said all that. But being saved out of those situations brought some transformative stories. And I soaked these stories up. And even at a young and very inexperienced age, I knew that these individuals loved Jesus in a way that was deep and textured, and I didn't quite have that kind of love for him. They had been saved from lives of sin and separation from God the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, and they were different people. Like to the point where I'd hear someone's stories, I'm like, no, 
Now, that's not your background. It's like, no, Jesus saved me. This is for real. That's what I think of when I read about this woman. She knew her every, her every flaw. She knew what had been told to her about herself. She knew her sin, yet she knew there was also more, and she was going to find it, and she did find him. Now we look at this in regard to Simon. The man just run, wanted to throw a dinner <laughs> and invite a man he had heard lots about and maybe even sat in on his teaching. Well, as we know, sometimes the plan we picture in our mind is not the plan that happens. So they're all reclining at the table, probably enjoying food, discussing the scriptures, and this woman walks in. Long hair that is loose about her shoulders, not dressed in the finest clothes, maybe a bit frantic of a look on her face because it took her a minute to actually find what room they were all in, holding a very expensive-looking jar of perfume in her hand. They all would have been aware of this jar. And she's heading for the guest that was here to visit Simon and his friends. I imagine Simon probably had a look of horror on his face, <laughs> observes this woman whose reputation is known. And given the culture, her behavior is considered highly inappropriate. Which then leads Simon to wondering about Jesus, and specifically as a prophet and a holy man. He comments to himself, but somehow Jesus heard this, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him, what kind of woman that is, that she is a sinner. I just want to say, reading this several times this week, like several times, being in a New Testament class this semester and reading this passage, Reading other passages in scripture where the men often had of a certain narrative going on about women is really difficult, <laughs> really difficult. We come in kinds, I guess, the kind of sinner she is. And this is the sinner kind? As if no one else is sinning in the whole town, as if no one else has brokenness in their past or present. Maybe this isn't the same, maybe his sin isn't the same as hers, but this man is a sinner too, and definitely not loving the person in front of him. Back to our story. <laughs> Jesus responds to what Simon says to himself by telling him a story. Two people owed money to a moneylender. One owed more than the, than the other. Neither could pay the money back to him, so the moneylender forgave them both. And the, the amount between them, you know, one's 500, one's 50, is significant, but he forgave them both. Then Jesus asked Simon, which of them will love him more? Simon is paying attention. He, resp he responds, I, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. Then Jesus brings Simon's attention to all the things he did not do as the host of the banquet. First, Jesus says, do you see this woman? You did not give me any water for my feet. You did not give me a kiss. You did not put oil on my head. Contrasting his actions with those of the woman, known in Simon's mind as the sinner, his actions fall short. His love falls short. Considering my own story that I told at the beginning and then looking at Simon's comments, although the settings and lived experiences are different, the idea of othering or exclusion is not foreign to me and probably not to you. The normal or even natural desire is human beings to want to appear important, put together, or even in the right can cause us to miss those right in front of us. And we are the ones missing out oftentimes on the reality of what's been done for us. 
the extravagant love that has been displayed to us. The last person in this story that I want to take a close look at is Jesus. He's at this dinner and a woman comes into the room and he receives from her this amazing display of love. Like everyone else, he's probably heard the stories about how she spends her time and he is the son so he probably knows already. He doesn't recoil from her hands on his body, her tears that are falling freely, and the scent that is poured on him that he didn't ask for, hair that is used instead of a cloth to wipe his feet, his toes. He welcomes this gift, this as a gift, an example of how he should have been received and welcomed and loved. At some point, he looks at Simon and tells him the story of the two that owed money. It's not to shame him. Like my friend, she didn't shame me. It's to show him a better way. Maybe in the way that 1 Corinthians 12 ends, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. And we know from chapter 13 of Corinthians that that is the way of love. After Jesus tells Simon the story of the moneylender forgiving both debts and asked him which of them will love him more, Simon replies, I, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. Then Jesus responds with, you have judged correctly. I think it's interesting that the couple versions I have read use the words judged correctly because in this moment he was judging correctly. It was not in a way that saw someone as less or other, not that kind of judging that he had done to this woman, but judged correctly the love of the one who owed a bigger debt. Turning again to Jesus, he acknowledges both Simon and the woman's actions They were completely different. The absence of what is customary to do for a guest was not offered by Simon. The woman took a risk to be in the presence of the one she had heard of and came prepared to honor him. He forgives her sins. He says her faith has has saved her. He tells her to go in peace. The story ends there. We don't know if the evening was transformative for Simon Or if as he said goodbye to his guests, he felt embarrassed or ashamed. Jesus actually gave him a lot, though. And it was love for Jesus Jesus to say all that he said to him. Because we know that that rebuke that sometimes we all need is love, right? For the woman, she experienced something life-altering, the forgiveness of her sins and salvation. Jesus undoubtedly loved them both and wanted more for each. They are two totally different people who both are invited to the table. So this is an account that we are familiar with, yet for it to mean something to us in 2022, we need to go deeper, study the text deeper. Believe you me, there's people going real deep with this text. (laughs) There's plenty out there to study. And we need to ask ourselves some questions. Maybe like me, you were reminded to love those in front of you the way Jesus loves us. Not an in-passing, tolerating love, but I see you. I'll make space for you. I receive what you bring to this life type of love. Maybe you're like Simon and your thoughts should lead to questions. How do I love? How do I see beyond my own preconceived ideas and see the person in front of me? Do I realize I have been forgiven much? Considering this woman, do I know I am worthy of God's love? Do I love him with complete abandon? Will I choose to walk in my new salvation? And lastly, considering Jesus, 
Do you love him? Do you walk boldly in that love, letting it inform your life and your actions? Things to ponder. And so we have some pictures. As I wrap up, I want to remember, we want to remember somebody. Have those. Remember Terry, somebody who was loved by God. I didn't even know Terry super well, and I've been emotional about it. Um, She passed away on Thursday night in the cold. Um, And, you know, I'm sure, I know there was some health issues. I'm sure her body was worn down. But a familiar uptown fixture. Um, Terry was very artistic and creative. And is now at peace. Peace to those who loved her. Peace to her memory. May we love those who are in front of us as Jesus does. Thank you.